Well, in today's episode, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we talk about total depravity, the fear of God, and what to do with the bad news of Romans chapter 1 through 3. Well, one more note before we dive in. If you've been tracking along with the Romans books that we've been handing out here on both the Prescott and Prescott Valley campuses, then we are well aware of some of the issues with the October edition of those notes. Please hear our sincere apology for those mistakes in that book and know that we're working really, really hard to try to get a new copy, a revised copy out by this upcoming Sunday. In fact, by the time you're listening to this podcast, wherever you are and whenever you are, there's an updated copy already on quadcity.church slash Romans. The PDF there is completely up to date and should be free from any issues or errors. Thanks again for tracking along with that part of the study. We really do believe that it helps us better engage in this content that we're going through together. Well, thanks again for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, hey guys, good evening. It's our, our first nighttime episode. I know we're on the late night. It's, it is way past my bedtime. It is not late for most people. I'm feeling you, good. You, it's nine o'clock. I've got a it decaf, is nine o'clock. decaf cup of coffee. I'm pretending it's real. It's great. I, I do have a decaf as well. <laughs> I had to have a little bite of chocolate just to get myself going a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you're listening, it's uh, Sunday night. Um, so we recorded the the podcast a little early this week as uh, actually all three of us will be out for fall break. Jason, you're traveling. Josh and I are staying in town, but, but hanging at home with the, the families. Um, so we wanted to be, uh, be sure to knock this out before we all took off for the, the week. So... Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes on a Sunday yeah, night. Let's just say that both of these guys, Brendan and Josh, are typically in bed by 8.30, right? Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm usually in bed by 9. Uh, yeah, I mean, I try to stay up until about 9. So on a Sunday night, typically I'll be up till midnight because I come home and I crash. I took a two-hour nap today. After church, yeah, and so I don't that, nap generally. Yeah, so that midnight, it probably will. I'll, if, I'll be honest. If I took a two-hour nap, I'd still go to bed at eight thirty or nine. <laughs> no wonder Monday mornings are so hard for you all the time. That is true. Well, that's the adrenaline dump of Sunday. It is on Monday. There is, I will, hundred percent. I will give you that. Yeah, but I, but I'm also up at like four thirty or five. Yeah, that's, and that's me. So like. I woke up. I didn't have to be up super early. I was out in PV um, this weekend. So PV family, great to hang out with you guys this uh, this past Sunday, which was today for me and not for you because you're listening to this in the future. <laughs> but um, when I woke up this morning, it was like five o'clock. I didn't need to be up until 545, 5, 530 ish. I woke up and I thought ah, I could probably roll over, maybe get back to bed. I tried and then I was just up. So got up, got ready, made some coffee and was out the door. So Hey, yeah. well, one thing Josh brought to our attention a couple of weeks ago is that, and this is really cool, that um, some of you listeners have actually been using the kind of fun banter question that we'll often talk about on the beginning of these episodes as a kind of get to know you within life groups or any other smaller groups that that you're doing. So I just thought that was cool, uh, a fun little way to get to know you, um, which also means we've got to keep these going though. So I've got one for you today uh, that we've talked about before and it's, what's your favorite movie? 
right? And I asked that question earlier, and then I realized, well, you kind of got to do like top three because it's real for me anyway. It's really, really hard to try to dwindle down to one single movie that stands out above the rest. So, let's go. What's your guys' favorite movies? Top three. Go ahead, Jason. You can go first. <laughs> you just want to have an opportunity to mock me. That's where we're going with this. Okay. So I think top three, no specific order. I would probably go um, Shawshank Redemption, Book of Eli, and a toss-up between Braveheart and Goodwill Hunting. So there's my three. So, yes, no comedies for me, Josh, because I am where fun goes to die. I don't have any comedies on that list either, but I'm not a funny movie guy. I don't don't know. Man, that hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Now, pick up my part. What's wrong with my three? No, I was going to say, so my top three definitely is Shawshank Redemption. It is a... It's up there. Really? Yes. Yeah, man. It's a good movie. No, I agree. It's good. It doesn't make my top three. I, I share one with Jason in my top three. Good Will Hunting? Yeah. That yeah. is a good one. It's a great movie. Unless you are offended by the F-bomb. Yeah. And then do not watch that movie. There's yeah. A, there's every, a lot of that. Every time I watch it, I think of that. But yeah. What about you, Josh? Where you at? Oh, man. So, I, I enjoy laughing when I watch movies. So, I'm more of a comedy guy. Um but Shawshank Redemption, which is not a comedy, it's definitely up there. Um, there for the longest time, Tombstone was up there. I love. I did not see that yeah, comment. Yeah, three for not. a loop. Man, I, <laughs> Josh as a cowboy, love I it. don't see it. It is so quotable. Like it is just incredibly. Oh man, I have so many lines in there that you can say to one another. Um, so that's a that's a good one. Um, comedies is probably a tie. I go back and forth between, um, so like my wife and I's favorite movie, um, we watched together couples retreat. It's got Vince Vaughn in it. Um, it's a it's hilarious movie for us. There's a couple other people I know on staff who like it. And then, or so my like classic probably go to is, uh, uh, right now, um, the other guys with Will Ferrell and, Mm. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. It is just dumb but funny. There's just some lines in there. But that's that, you're on a desert island for the rest of your life and that's where you're going. Like that's the thing. I think that's a different question. Yeah, that's a different that's question. That's a different list of movies for me. Okay. Because if I'm on a on a desert favorite island. Favorite movie want, of all time is yeah. Vince Vaughn. I I like to laugh. So yeah. <laughs> but they're not that good. I mean, so you know, I can go others like Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura. Oh my god! I could do any of those, right? Like, I, I would, I like to have fun when I watch a movie. Life is serious. I don't need more serious movies. And all the movies you named, well, besides Shawshank, that's I mean, pretty real. But like Book of Eli, that's not even a real thing. He dies as a normal person. If you're running around doing those things, you're dead. No, he was filled by the Holy Spirit. We walk by. Faith and not by sight. Did you not? Did you not watch the movie? Yeah, it's every Denzel movie. I feel like lately. <laughs> and if it's a normal guy, the normal guy's taking the bullet shots. That's what's so ridiculous about like the other guys. It is making fun of all like the 
the big bad police. It's just great, man. It's just a funny movie, and that's yeah. what I like. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, Goodwill Hunting's on my list, and then I've got two more. Uh, Forrest Gump makes the list for me only mm. be well for a couple of reasons. I think it's a fantastic movie. Um, and I love like epic journey movies. So, you know, Forrest Gump. Um, I love A Brother Where Art Thou. You made a, you quoted that movie earlier. And it's I was great. like, oh, that is one of, it's, it makes a top 10 list for me. Just the epic one. of the story. It's a good one. Um, the, the parallel to the Odyssey, right? The whole thing, yeah. just the, the history of the, the story. Um, and then the last one on my list is uh, Into the Wild. So it's the Chris McCandless story. It was a book by, John Krakauer. Did you guys read it, see it at all? It's a great story. Uh, yeah, fantastic story. But really like that movie a lot. Are you a Lord of the Rings guy? I am a Lord of the Rings guy. Um, but the thing that I like about those other movies is it's history. Like Forrest Gump is American history in a nutshell. Yeah. Like that is the, it is the story of American history, modern American history. Uh, again, A Brother Where Art Thou is... The Odyssey. I mean, it takes the story of the Odyssey and it puts it into a modern perspective, more modern perspective. Um, so, like, The Lord of the Rings, really, really cool, but it has no bearing on history, right? So, you know, it's there's no binding to reality in any, any way. And it's so, long. Shoo. I like them. So I, like, it's I lengthy. Do, I do like the, the whole epic journey thing. I don't, I just can't get into the full-blown fantasy world like other people can. So, Fair. yeah. You just really like Denzel. That's why I'm looking at Jason. And I'm thinking like Man on Fire. Man there's a fire John great. Q. Yeah, there's a lot of great ones. Uh, remember the Titans? Uh, yeah, see, again, okay. anything happy and go lucky and <laughs> that has some kind of story. Do you okay. hear this, guys? Both of them. Uh, uh, we have this team of the, people coming like together a, on this hallowed ground. Friday Night, like, Friday Night Lights was a really good sports movie. They no. lose. I know. No. You all are just the Green Mile. That's the, a great the one. Green Mile's good. That has nothing. It does not Denzel. It's not Denzel. I'm not. I'm just saying those are the kinds of movies that I really like. Yeah, movies that are depressing. I get it. <laughs> this is the issue. This is what we're talking about. I yes, there's a little melancholy that goes on in my movie watching for sure. I do. I do like a movie that makes me feel something though. So that's the whole thing with me. It's like ah, the funny movie. Ah, I can laugh whenever. Ah, you know. But something that's I can't like, believe you just you even said dumb and dumber. Like that's <laughs> you said it out loud. Yeah, it's a great it's good. It's great comedy. It is, but not for a top three movie list like ever. Why? Because it's dumb. It's in the name. I know. It's it is I know. It's terrible. I, I get it for when you're bored on a Friday night and you're just looking for some chuckles, but holy snikes, not your top three. Yeah, but I but here's my point with like some of these other movies. Like, so Shawshank Redemption. I, and I love it. It's up there for me. Book of Eli, whatever. After I watch it once, I know what happened. So I, I'm not I'm not locked in anymore. I don't have any desire to be locked in anymore. But like, every I, time Shawshank Redemption comes on TV and it comes on a lot. It does. I will sit and watch it. Yeah, see, but I I like again, I really enjoy it the first time, really powerful. I'm in. Like I I'm with you. Like boom, boom, I can watch it. But it doesn't have that, like, the funny part. I can just turn it on and laugh throughout all the time. I can come back and forth to it and chuckle. Like, But once the epic movie and you figure out what happens, happens, I just don't forget it. Like, my, it's in the brain. So, like. Well, you don't need to forget it. If it's a good story, you keep going back to it. It's almost, like, biblical. 
You just go back to the good story over and over. And when you're thinking about Shawshank and you're thinking about Book of Eli and you're thinking about Braveheart, all of those have a messianic. They're all built on the story of Jesus, all three of them. Yeah, they are. So the sacrifice of the person on behalf of the others. I don't know if Shawshank was that. He snuck out of prison and then hung out with the old black guy named Red. <laughs> so, like, and I love it. It's a great story. It's got no. Morgan Freeman. Why do you call me Red? Maybe it's because I'm Irish. Like, I love it, dude. I mean, I'm sold 100%. Well, he, he goes through the tunnel, comes out white on the other side, and it's not accidental that the picture of his redemption, yeah. his coming out of the grave was him standing there with his arms spread out, looking up into the sky with the shot from above. It looks like every crucifixion scene in every passion movie. Yeah. I, again, I'm a, it was, I'm up there with you. It's a great movie. Yeah. But yeah. And he was innocent. Yeah. He went to prison he was. And he was innocent. Andy Dufresne. That's right. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, uh, there you go. There's the there's your banter. There's the question for this week <laughs> as you're getting to know your life groups. Well, hey, anybody who says dumb and dumber, you have the permission to vote them off the island. <laughs> yeah. I'm off. I, I do think, though, the what movie would you bring on an island question is a totally different question. We'll have to maybe do that one another time. That's but, Lord of the Rings. So yeah. I can get 19 hours worth of <laughs> cinematic pleasure. So this week we uh, we closed the bad news section of our study through through Romans as we were getting in into the text there. Um, and Jason, just a couple of things. I think you did a great job uh, putting a good you know uh, not you know putting a bow on it. Right, this whole section that we had for the last ten weeks, uh, which was kind of hard to get through. Right, um, you know there was a lot. And again, I loved the the imagery of that last slide with the building. Hey, what is Paul saying about us mm-hmm. at this point? Like all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that there's a, a helpful weight to that. Um, and then landing with that, that killer quote again, I just thought you did a great job. Thanks. Putting a bow at the end of it. Um, we wanted to touch on a couple of things that we didn't have quite enough time for uh, to cover in the message and that was really the bookends of this section in Romans chapter three. So it's like verse 11 through 18. And I love, if you were to look at this in your physical Bible or, or look at it maybe on the, the version app or wherever you go read your Bible, you'll see this section like indented and parenthesized and it's all of these scripture references. And you had made mention to this, Jason, that Paul is is referencing David and Solomon and some Isaiah texts in here as well. And really the bookends were the things that stood out to me. So you've got verse 11, the, the first one here, which is there is no one righteous, not even one. And it speaks to this idea of what we talked about this weekend. There is no one righteous. And even though we may have known people that have been good to us or have done things that we thought we were good or were good, uh, that does not make them righteous. Mm-hmm. There is inherently inherently no one is righteous. Mm-hmm. So would you talk a little bit about that and maybe within the the bounds of this idea, this phrase that we throw around, total depravity, right? Yeah, so... This will come up a little bit more as we get into uh, chapter 5 of Romans. But this idea of total depravity is something that um, 
it is a part of uh, Christendom that gets used a lot, uh, this idea of original sin. Um, and the idea is like that all of us, not, not meaning each individual, every bit of us has been corrupted by sin. So total depravity does not mean that everything that we do is the worst that it could be. But what total depravity means is even the best things that we do still is tainted with sin. That's what it means. So it's not that there's not anything that's helpful or good. Um, We could talk about all of the good that people do. Uh, Josh mentioned earlier, like we just ran from the hurricane and down in Florida and people are digging other people out and they're getting their neighbors and they're, they're, they're doing good things for their neighbors. The point of total depravity is that even our good is tainted by our sin. There is nothing in us that that has been that is immune from the effects of sin. So even the things that I do that are good can can have the motive that's wrong, have desires that are wrong, that are executed out of a sinful heart. So it's not that there's nothing good that ever happens. It's that there's nothing good that isn't tainted by sin. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about total depravity. People are not, it's not that everything they do is terrible and nobody can do anything good. It's just nobody can do anything good without sin. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, and it would make sense that we're not completely terrible because we are created within the image of God. Yes. And we know that our God looked at us in the very beginning and it was, we were very good. We were his creation was very good. And then yes, sin entered into the world. And with that, became all of the consequences of sin, which is, again, kind of that idea of the power of sin. It's not just the things that we do. It is the controlling force of the world that Jesus came to defeat. So it's a bigger picture. Maybe the—so maybe the question then is, Jason, um, and Brendan kind of, like he says, the text says no one is righteous. And I think maybe it's we hear the word righteous and conflate that with good— but I feel like those kind of are two different maybe words, ideas in a way, right? Not to go like super deep because I know we're going to talk about righteousness in a little bit, but we hear the word good and we think of, well, the good things people do. But I don't know if that's what David was thinking about when he was thinking of there is no one righteous, right? I don't know if that's what they were kind of driving at um, just as a word of good. Because again, goodness is based off of that scale you talked of, and we all kind of grade up on a scale. And I can go, well, I'm better than this guy, so I am pretty good. But I don't know if I, I can do that with being righteous. Well, the only pushback I would have is verse 12 actually addresses the same thing. It says, there is no one who does good, not even one. So it's the same mindset there that even verse 12 would say, no, Josh, you didn't do anything good. There's no one who does good. Right. Yeah, but this idea of righteousness, I think, is just a little bit different. And what Jesus claimed for yeah. us versus doing good things out there in the world, right? That's interesting too, because I just pulled up the um, the Psalm Psalm fourteen that he's quoting, uh, and in the NIV, anyways, it says all have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Yeah. So that's interesting that he even goes to, and again, it's all translation, but right, you know, he goes right David right. David's words that Paul's then quoting, right. Um, like that does it's the an act of good that is yeah. interesting yeah. to think about a little bit and again i think it's the same point but i do think we 
hear righteous and we struggle with it because we think of just the morality and really righteous is this thing that Jesus has done for us. Yeah. So right, which is such a bigger picture, right? <laughs> which is and which is, I think is what you're driving at when you were saying, you, and you said it a couple of times in your sermon. Um, you are not the answer to the problem. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what our goodness makes us think. Right. Well, I can do these really good things and I can solve the problem. Whereas we say, no, 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 you're not the answer to the problem. Yep. So the idea of righteousness is about having a right standing before God. So that's when we hear the word righteousness, that's a, a really easy way to think of it, that we have a right standing before God. Um, and yes, so that would be a difference in you can have a right standing before God and doing the good things. Those are separate. So I think I, I understand yeah. where you're coming from there. Right. That that we're talking about what Jesus is trying to address is our standing before God, which is why, just peeking ahead, when we get to chapter 3, verse 21, this coming Sunday, but now... Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. So he's going to show us how to get that righteous standing before God outside of the things that we can do, i.e. obeying the law. So, yes, I would agree with you. There are two different things in that sense. One is eternal, it's spiritual, and one is the good things that we can do. Um, But, again, the, the idea here is that our sin nature infects and affects everything that we do. There's nothing in our life, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, relational, there is nothing that has not been impacted. That's where the idea of total depravity, it, it infects and affects every part of our life um, in, some, in one way or another. Yeah, that's good. And again, these, both of these bookends really stood out to me. So not only verse 11, uh, there's no one righteous, not even one, but also the the end of this section where Paul's quoting uh, other scriptures. In verse 18, he says, there's no fear of God before their eyes. And we covered this text just a few months ago. I think it was back in May uh, when we were in Proverbs. We did a six or maybe seven week series out of some of the themes in the Proverbs. <clears throat> and we covered this text and I don't know if it took you guys by surprise at all, but for me, I was a, a little taken back um, because people seem to have a really hard time understanding this idea of, you know, fear of the Lord and fear of God. And, and this text here, I mean, it, it articulates uh, exactly what David is saying in Psalm 36. Um, so Jason, I would love for you to just articulate uh, your thoughts on fearing God. Yeah, we did have some confusion. Some people who were a little uh, taken back by my sermon in Proverbs saying, yeah, we got to fear the Lord. We need a proper fear of the Lord. And and people always want to utilize the idea that, well, it doesn't really mean fear. It just means respect. And I'm like, no, it doesn't mean respect. There's word for respect. That's not the word he's using. He's, he's using the word fear. Like there's an expectation. And well, what about there's 365 times in the scripture that say, do not fear. And I always say, okay, great. But what does he say not to fear? Whenever those pop up, what's he saying not to fear? He's saying, don't fear the circumstances of this life. Don't fear people. God's never on the list. Never once does he say, do not fear God. Like that isn't on the list. In fact, throughout scripture, it's just the opposite. Um, And here's a verse that I always want to take people to. 
and say, if you're a follower of Jesus, that means that we are called to obey Jesus, right? That's That goes with the territory. Well, here's a command of Jesus to his disciples, all right? So this is Luke chapter 12. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And listen to what he says, starting at verse 4. These are red letters, so you know they're really important. I tell you, my friends, again, talking to the disciples, Peter, James, and John, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. So Jesus says there is one you should fear to his disciples, not to the heathens who don't know God. I will show you whom you should fear, fear him who after your body has been killed, has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Like it's emphatic. Jesus tells them, fear him. And then he says in the back end, yes, I tell you, in case you missed it, fear him, fear him. So Jesus commands us to fear God. Um, I go to Isaiah chapter eight. Here's another one. It says, Jesus, uh, God speaking to his people, do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. That's Isaiah chapter 8, verses 13, 12 and 13. So there's this, there, there is a healthy, right fear of God that keeps us moving in the direction toward God. In fact, as crazy as this sounds, that fear was a part of the covenant promise of God. Like in the new covenant, Jeremiah, when he was prophesying about the new covenant, not the old covenant, the new covenant, he was looking forward to the day when the new covenant was going to come into place. And here's what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 32, starting verse 38. It says, They will be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me, and that it will go well for them and their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And what is that everlasting covenant? I will never stop doing good to them, and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn from me. Like that. That fear of the Lord is what keeps us from doing what we find in our text in Romans chapter 3, from turning from God. Like we have a right fear of God and it keeps us moving in a direction toward God. So it it doesn't mean respect. It means fear that we recognize there is a God that I'm going to be held accountable to and he has the authority, Jesus says, to throw my body into hell. So I need to live with the right fear. Now, Is there a better motivation? Yes. Ultimately, we want to be motivated by love and not fear. Perfect love drives out fear. We we know that. That is a better motivation. But part of the covenant promise of God is, I will make them fear me so that they do not turn away. So, um, So that fear of the Lord, when it is missing, we can't be surprised when people turn away. Yeah, I was thinking through Romans chapter 2. Um, uh, verse five, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath 
when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Like literally, that's what you're saying, that the reason why we have this fear and why Paul is talking about it and why Paul, like you said, this is the toe tag. This is the revealer of why all of the other things exist is because I really didn't fear that on the day of judgment, anything bad was going to happen. Because why? Well, I did all the things. That's what we've been talking about. But I was circumcised. I did that thing. And so, no, no, Paul's like, no, no one is righteous. Don't forget what I said just, you know, for us a chapter before. Like, that's the point of it, right? Like, that's what you're trying to, I think it's what you're trying to get at, which is why I think it is so important. It's not respect. Yeah. Because if I respect you, then it's like, oh, well, yeah, I respect you. But if I fear that on the day of wrath, I've been storing up this judgment, that huge illustration you use, mm-hmm. well, that's going to be a whole different picture because you really could. And like you said, it's not just destroy my body physically, but it's it's the end. Like I'm banished and weeping and gnashing of teeth kind of stuff. Yeah. And we can go back. And one of the things, if you've got a good study Bible, if you've got a, a Bible with good footnotes or cross references in it, you can actually take your Bible from Romans 3 and figure out where do each of these quotes come from? And this one related to fear comes from Psalm 36. And so here's what it says. This is 36, and I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. And you'll you'll hear it, but I want you to hear this verse from Psalms in its context. He says, this is David writing, which, total sidebar here, the little subtitle under Psalm 36 says, for the director of music, which means this was a song Think about singing this as a part of your worship, okay? So this is a a hymn that they're singing somewhere. David writes, I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. And here's the message. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. Like the lack of fear that they have for God keeps them from detecting and hating their sin. Like that's what the fear of God is supposed to do in us. It helps us to see our sin and it helps us to hate our sin. And when you take that fear away and you convert it even to respect, then all of a sudden we're not going to see our sin the way that we should see it. And we're not going to hate our sin the way that we should hate it. That lack of fear of the Lord keeps us from hating our sin. That's why so many of us can get so comfortable with our sin because we don't actually have a right fear of God. Yeah, 100%. And that song was certainly sung in a minor key, right? (laughs) That is not one of our happy, joyful worship songs that we have. We're not coming out. That's not the first song coming out of the set. No, (laughs) That's not what we're saying. It's not the band. The welcome to worship set. I love that. But you're, you're, yeah, man, you're totally right. Just thinking through uh, this piece of it. I don't know if it's, Man, I don't know if it's culturally. I, I don't know what the the biggest issue is with it, right? I think there's a lot of things we could diagnose. But what I what I keep coming back to is, again, the the toe tag analogy. Like that for me, there's literally there's a guy who walked past me uh, the eleven uh, o'clock service in PV. He goes. That's why you do anatomies on dead people, or you know, uh, not or autopsies. Yeah, I mean, yeah. autopsies not anatomies. Autopsies on dead people, and I'm like, that's it. We're just looking at all of our things that are making us dead, mm-hmm. dead in our trespasses and sin, mm-hmm. man. But God, 
made us alive together with Christ Jesus, what Ephesians says. But just thinking through that goodness, but it's not nearly as good if I don't have that. But again, even the good's not as good if I don't fear how bad it could be. Mm-hmm. It, right? If I don't really have that level of fear, man, I'm just stuck and I miss out on the goodness of what the gospel is. So it's, it's no surprise that that's the last one that Paul chooses in this book, Ian, like you're saying. Yeah. Hey, this is the thing we have to understand and have to get. And I want to make sure that we put it back into this context. Let's let's not see the fear of the Lord as a bad thing. We've turned it into a bad thing. Mm. It's not a bad thing. It is a blessing from God for his covenant people. And so when we turn it as if it's somehow something that we need to get rid of, then we're blaspheming this, this covenant promise from Jeremiah 32. God said, I will inspire them to fear me so that they will not turn away from me. It is a gift that God gives us to keep a right fear of him so that we continue to move in his direction. We got to stop looking at it as a negative and see it as a blessing of God for his covenant people. The people who do not have a fear of him, man, they are out of the covenant. This is a part of the covenant of God. And so we ought to see it as a blessing not as something to try to overcome. Yeah, 100%. Well, let's end with this, Jason. At the end of the the sermon, your last slide was just a list. It was a compiled list of all of the things that Paul says about us, right? He says about the church in Rome and, and in turn us today. Do you remember how many things were on that list? <laughs> I don't. I you think don't. it was like 30 something, 35 maybe. Yeah. It was terrible. And for so well, so a couple of <laughs> a couple of things on that. Like we'll probably post that as a, a social post this week. So if you don't, I'm trying to get figure out how to get this into the hands of people. Yeah. If you don't follow us on social, if you are on social media at all, Facebook or Instagram, maybe. Um, follow Quad City uh, and you'll see that pop up this week. We may also try to link this in the show notes as well because I think it's a really powerful picture uh, that helps us close this this bad news section of the book of Romans. And what I'm interested in is like, what do we do with that this week? Knowing that we're about to move into this section that is maybe a little bit brighter, a little bit more leaning towards the good news of the gospel in our lives as a result of who we know we are now. What do we do with the bad news? Well, let me, before I answer your question, let's give credit where credit is due. So this was one of this, kind of this wrap up at the end was something that we talked about in our sermon planning meeting this last Wednesday of how do we wrap this up? And so this was an idea that you guys actually formulated with me Hey, this is, we ought to do this thing at the end to bring it all together. So I just want to make sure that everybody understands that this is a communal effort. So when they see those 35 things, they don't just blame me. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. No, that, no, it is true, though. Yeah. It is true. Yeah, it is true. Is true. <laughs> but what do we do with it? That's a great, that is a great question. And so I think of it this way Can we look at those things and use them like our own autopsy? Like, can we use those as the thing to help us see what's inside of us? Can we can we crack open our own chest and say, yeah, that one's in there, that one's in there, that one's in there, and do the work to pull them out before it takes our life? I think that's the point. Like that to to confess and repent of where we see those things in us. And so again, as I said at the end of the message today, I want those who are Christians in the room to sit under the weight of all of those. It's easy for us to forget 
it's easy for us to jump to the grace piece. Uh, we, we, we deal with this every year at Easter. It's easy to jump to Sunday and forget about the Friday, to feel the weight of our sin. And I think this is an opportunity for us just to, to let God do his work in us, reveal to us the sinfulness that is still alive in us, that we've just passed over trusting in the grace of Jesus. And we'll get there. We'll get there, but don't get there too fast. Let the, let the Spirit do the work of convicting us of sin and setting us free from sin through our confession and through our repentance. So that would be my my action item for everyone who is a Christian. Again, if you're not a Christian, if you just know the bad news and that's all you know, then don't wait till Sunday. Like, let's get you in on the good news this week. But for those of you who are, you already know the good news. Sit under the weight of the bad news. Let the Holy Spirit convict you so that you can confess and repent. There's something about that list that, you know, is interesting. So obviously I've heard all 10 yeah, 10 sermons, and each one has been really, really powerful. Um, they all brought up their own different things from uh, the idolatry piece to the sexual morality to the things that we're doing in the church, the people outside of the church, to the list this today, the list before then, the Jewish people. Do. Something about seeing them all on one piece of screen. I don't know for you, Brendan, for me, just being in the room watching, it was like, definitely a overwhelming moment of like, yep, there I am. Can I tell a funny story about that? Yeah. So I'm sitting in PV at the 930. And so we, yeah, we had all kind of had this idea. We talked about it loosely on, uh, on Wednesday, right? This idea of, oh man, is there a way to get all of that on the screen all at one time? Like, I actually think that'll be overwhelming. And I think overwhelming in a good way. And uh, I had no real visual around what that was going to look like. We kind of handed it off to to the tech guys. Nate specifically killed it with the graphic, putting it all together and, and kind of let it be. And the first time I saw it was on Sunday, today for us, at the 9.30 service in PV. So I'm sitting in the room and uh, we're watching the list, right? And you're going through the list and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And the words are pretty small on the screen because there's so many of them. And again, it was powerful. And at the end of it, you get to the the last you know one-liner And there was a guy about six people to my left in one row in front of me that you had a pause after you spoke that one liner. And he just goes, yikes. And the entire room heard him. And it was like, yeah, that's the feeling, right? Like that's the feeling of understanding who it is we are in our sin. It's like, yeah, yikes. That was about as bad as it can get, right? So, Because the danger is hearing one sermon here, and if you came then three weeks later and you heard another one, you came, you just came this past Sunday and heard that one, they're disconnected. But in the original reading of probably the book of Romans, they would have heard all of this in one shot. Right. Right. When you read through all of this, boom, 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 you're only three for us, three chapters yeah. in, and we're not even through the whole chapter three. Right, we're halfway through it, but we need it. Yeah, we have to have it, and that's the I think the point. Because I was thinking as I read the sermon beforehand and was thinking through, um, you know, the Book of Acts, and you talked on this last week, last Sunday, right? That they were pierced to the heart because Peter looked at them and said, "You killed the Messiah. It was you. You did this." And they were like, what must we do? Like, as I read that, that was my hope for us as Quad City. 
is that we would finish this bad news and go, Jason, what do we do? Oh, my goodness. I am a complete sinner in desperate need of the grace of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if that isn't my starting point, then I'm the, the it's really not that good of the news for me. Right. But that's that was my feeling that I was soaked, and and that's what happened. Like so, again, I am right there with all of you as you listen Sunday and went, oh man, because I saw myself in click after click after click after click, and the realization of like, yeah, that was me. And I, I felt some of that too, though. Which again, that'll be next week. But I was like, oh, that was me, and look how God's transformed me, mm-hmm. man. That was me. Mm-hmm. Look how God has trans. Like so, I, I found hope. In there, so even though I did walk out with this, like, here we go, one last time, I still did have some hopeful moments too. Yeah, that's good, and that really is. I mean, that's where you left us is this charge of like, hey, let this sit heavy for this week, right? Look through that list and and recognize. I mean, you know, the the benefit that we have is we have this advocate in the Holy Spirit that will convict us of the areas that we're falling short, right? Mm-hmm. So ask the Holy Spirit to convict us in our lives. Hey, where are the things that we need to? to repent, right? And actually see the change, right? Like that is the key and final step of repentance, right? It's the conviction, it's the confession, and then it's the change piece that we actually need to drive for in our lives. Um, and that's really what you left us with this week. Is there anything else you, you care to say? No, I say that's it. Let's let's let the uh, the weight of the sin prepare our hearts to come back next Sunday and feel the relief of the grace of God as those sins get released. And we realize there's a righteousness that doesn't come from me. And man, that'll be glorious because we realize we can't produce it on our own. Yeah. Maybe just, you know, challenge, just read those first three chapters again. Maybe you're just jumping in with us or even you've been in for a while. We gave the first challenge to read the whole book of Romans together. And maybe just read the first three chapters again every day this week. They just sit 10 minutes in silence and prayer, just thinking through, man, where have I seen God working in me? And where do I still need to see God working in me? So yeah, so that we do show up Sunday and we hear this reminder of the righteousness that comes not through the law, but from Christ and Christ alone. And I think that would be a good way to prepare ourselves. Because I think that was the challenge you laid in the very beginning to come ready, Mm -hmm. come ready and expect. And so don't, just leave Sunday, you know, today, and then come next Sunday with having done no work. Yeah. You're going to miss out on what I think the Holy Spirit is trying to drive home in all of us. So, yeah, get to work this week. It's not going to be easy, but I think it will be a powerful way for us to actually see. That's what we talked about, too, getting that kindling, finding mm-hmm. that stuff for revival, right? And this is a part of that, to yep. begin to acknowledge, hey, man, we're just not that great. Boy, we really need Jesus. And then it helps me see my neighbor. Who I go, oh, they're not that great either. Oh, the but the gospel is for everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know about here in Prescott, but in PV, there was an amen and a hallelujah, brother. Yeah, there was. There, yeah. I mean, like, I was like, oh, yeah, woo, woo, let's go. Like, <laughs> I thought Jason was going to keep on preaching, but it was a, man, it really is for everybody, including me. Yeah. Such a hopeful thing, brother. So, yeah, you did, a, like Brandon said, it was a great job this weekend. I think we wrapped the bow on 10 weeks of, of real good stuff. Yeah, awesome. All right, guys. Thanks. We'll uh, chat again real soon. Well, all right. That's a wrap on episode 11 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. Thank you so much for listening. 
Well, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, we hope that you go to quadcity.church slash Romans, where you could submit any questions to be answered right here on the podcast. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope this time was a blessing to you, and we can't wait to see you again next time.